everybody, and welcome back to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. My co-host for today is a, I'm a bit taken aback, a comedy institution. I'm going to say a comedy institution uh, who has been in the game long enough to write for The Simpsons, for The Ben Stiller Show, and then in our current era also, give us shows such as Stan Against Evil or Hangin' with Dr. Z. There are so many things you can consume of Dana Gold's, and I would like to know, Dana, is there anything else I left out top of mind that you would like to make sure that people know about before we dig in here? Oh, no. There's there's lots of stuff. Uh, I, wor- I worked on uh, the uh, early I Love Lucy. I've been in the business a long time. I wrote uh, The Ten Commandments, not the film. Uh, it was mm. in the room. It was originally Six <laughs> Commandments. We thought 10 is a better number, and so we came up with Was that you? More. Was that your contribution? <laughs> was, you were like, a- ah, 10's a good round one. It was a room. Uh <laughs> <laughs> You were an early influencer, having worked on some foundational texts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, of yeah. ours as human beings, great to have you here, um, <laughs> and and have an author of the Ten Commandments in the room. Uh, thou, should, thou shalt ask before massaging. That was mine. <laughs> Good <laughs> yeah. note. Good. Take that one to the bank. Consent is sexy um, <laughs> in the Ten Commandments and now. And so you have brought a fascinating selection for us to discuss today oh, you've brought okay. them you've, you've brought the movie ed wood and two characters right. within the movie ed wood who are those two characters that we're going to discuss today well i relate to both the character of bela lugosi mm-hmm. in the film and i also relate to the character of uh ed wood uh, mm-hmm. in the film I'm like Ed Wood in pants. <laughs> okay, yeah. Good good to specify. Good to specify. Now tell us a little bit what about what Ed Wood's about. Well, Ed Wood, for those who, who don't know, um, it was a, a biopic made in nineteen ninety four by Tim Burton. Um, it is, in my opinion, uh, his best movie by far. And it's a, it's about a real guy named Ed Wood, Edward D. Wood Jr., who was mm-hmm. um, a filmmaker in the in the fifties, basically. Um, he made what is, you know, referred to as some of the worst movies of all time, Plan 9 from Outer Space, Bride of the Monster, Glen or Glenda. <laughs> um, and the interesting thing about him is that in the early 50s, he was a what was then called a crossdresser. He liked mm-hmm. to dress uh, as a woman while directing. And uh, and he was open about it. He made uh, he made the movie Glen or Glenda which was made in 1954 and it is a plea for understanding for mm-hmm. cross-dressers or trans people. Uh, I mean, it's, it's incredibly ahead of its time. Um, the, it's techn- based, uh, the movie is based on the book, Ed Wood, Nightmare of Ecstasy, the life and art of Edward D. Wood Jr. Is right. That by Ru- yeah. So uh, well, yes. Rudolph Gray did a uh, oral history of Ed Wood and his sort of world. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was known by kind of like nerdy people in the know. But then in the early 80s, there was a book mm-hmm. called The Golden Turkey Awards by, I believe, uh, um, the Medveds, possibly. Uh, popular film critics did a, a book called The Golden Turkey Awards, where. Um, Plan 9 from Outer Space was voted the worst movie of all time. Yes. And uh, and that was sort of like where his uh, his claim to fame uh, came from. And then Nightmare of Ecstasy came from that. Uh, Rudolph Gray did this oral history of of, of uh, himself in that world. And then to, uh, Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski wrote the script on spec and mm-hmm. it got to Tim Burton and he made it after Batman Returns. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, um, and it's, I think it's Burton's best movie and it's, uh, and it introduced a lot of people to, to Ed Wood and, and that world. And now did you, did you, did you see this when it first came out? I saw this the day it opened. I saw this. I auditioned to be in this movie. Really? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> I, May uh, I ask yeah. which role? Uh, Paul Marco that was later, uh, went to Max Casella and he did a great mm-hmm. job. I mean, it was just one of those things like, oh yeah, good. No, he's great. But uh-huh. no, I was really, I I was always way into Ed Wood okay. when I heard that they were making a movie I and that Tim Burton, I mean, obviously I love Tim Burton, blah, 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 you know, and I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. I can't believe it. And, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, I call my, and I was, you know, by that time I was pretty, I was 
well established and yeah. I was like no I got to get in on this movie and I did uh read for it I I have later become uh super close friends with uh the gentleman that wrote it Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski mm. are, are are really good friends of mine now which is uh interesting it's one of my huge areas uh of interest I have uh I have one of the flying saucers from the opening of Ed Wood Oh wow! From the, and I have one of the flying saucers from Plan Nine from Outer Space. That well, and you Ed that, uh, that is an, used, another yeah. Ed Wood movie. Yeah. You do? Do you still do readings of Plan yeah, Nine do. from Outer Space? We do. With yes, uh, yes, we do. We do them. Uh, it's a Halloween tradition, mm-hmm. and uh, we've done it at Sketchfest up in uh, San Francisco. Like everything else, we took a, a wait because of of course the. Uh, the pandemic mm-hmm. um and uh, during the pandemic we were going to do it i do it with um janet varney and a lot of people from Sketchfest. Mm-hmm. and friend of the show janet varney i a lovely woman yeah i literally emailed her you know good four people minutes ago. i do i have <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm hoping that the judged by the company you keep rubs off on. <laughs> yeah. um but uh no i literally because uh we did it we were going to do it for Turner Classic Movies Film Festival. We were going to do Plan 9 from Outer Space here in L.A. at the festival, mm-hmm. but they canceled it because of COVID. Mm-hmm. They said, would you do it on on Zoom? Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought, well, yeah, we will, but we wanted to take the limitations of Zoom and turn them to our advantage. So right. you can see it. Um, you know, we had, we did it in black and white. We oh, had, cool. uh, we had one window of the zoom, which was miniature effects and miniature sets. And, uh, we really turned it into like a show and it mm-hmm. ended up airing on TCM and we were very proud of it. And, uh, uh, they said, we want you to come back, but we've already done plan nine. So can you do another movie? It's not as easy as it sounds. Because Plan 9 is specifically, there's actually a woman, a very uh, talented woman named Catherine Coldiron, who wrote a monograph about it. And the thing that she says, and that's so beautiful, because I could never articulate this that well. She goes, the thing that's great about Plan 9 is it thinks it's doing great. (laughs) You know, it doesn't know it's bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's no cynicism, but that's what I love about Ed. Well, there's that a f- scintilla of cynicism uh-huh, there, uh-huh. and uh, as she well, said, the story of this st- remind remind us of the story of Plan Nine. I don't so, think I could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's aliens are coming. It's aliens they're are coming robbing they're, graves. Aliens are coming, and they're going to do it by resurrecting the Earth's dead, so they will that's march it. on the cities of the Earth. They limit their attack to an old dead guy from Burbank. That's the, <laughs> the, the scope of the plan needed to be realigned. Right. What plan will you follow now? Plan nine. Plan nine. Ah, oh, yes, plan nine deals with the resurrection of the dead. Long distance electrodes shot into the pineal and pituitary glands of the recent dead. You know, maybe you guys were right. Plan nine is a good title. Well, so with, you know, like you said, you... No, it's not just the movie Edward. It, it, it's it's Plan Nine. It, it's sort of the entirety of this figure. And was that something like being fascinated by him for so long? Was that always a part of the fascination? Was just this pure passion, passion driven, uncynical figure, or was it the weirdness in the genre? It's of it? it's it's both. You know, when I was uh, first moved to Boston in the mid eighties mm-hmm. uh, to be a comedian, I befriended. Um, people uh, bobcat goldthwaite and tom mm. kenny and and um some other guys that uh are, you might not know them by their names but they were you know they were my age mm-hmm. and we all like the same music we all like at that time you know rem and elvis mm-hmm. costello and you know our, our new wavy punky kind of thing <laughs> they like mainstream stuff mm-hmm. uh, the ramones and 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 Part of that world, loving that stuff, was also loving these cheesy movies that were bad. Yeah. And you loved them because they were bad. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was like meeting people like that because I didn't have friends like that in high school and I didn't have friends like that in college, mm-hmm. really. So meeting those people, it was like finding your tribe. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, I thought I was the only person that liked bad movies 
because they were bad. Right, like yeah. I thought it was just me. Like no, <laughs> this is great. And 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 that got me that got me into that. You know, and that was like, yes, these this is my this is my tribe. And uh and and it was that, but it but it but again, there's no it's not cynical at all. Like mm-hmm. there's no I, you know, Plan Nine thinks it's doing great. Ed Wood yeah. thinks it's doing great, and I think it's doing great. It's like, look what, look what you did. You know, it's like, and and it, there's a lot of there's a lot of analogy to the music of it. Like I think mm. that you know, uh, you know, Plan Nine from Outer Space. There's a reason the Ramones also love it because <laughs> they didn't know how to play when they started. Right. They right. just wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they they weren't the electric light orchestra. <laughs> you, know, <they're>, you, know, <laughs> you know, they they were just three guys in sneakers. You know, four guys in sneakers. You know, and and I always loved that DIY kind mm-hmm. of like I I don't need your approval. I'm just going to do what I like. Um, and and I think that that was a was a big part of it. Now that I've done it so long, right? Yeah, and have enjoyed the benefits of not dying yeah, um, yeah. congratulations yeah the 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 way i the the way i feel like like bela lugosi specifically in the movie ed wood and then i'll tell I you i was the, going to ask where yeah. the transition point came between ed wood to bella this is late stage bella lugosi in this movie yeah. guys this is in the throes yeah, of drug is, addiction at yeah. the very end of his life yeah but then I will get to the real reason I feel like Ed Wood, which really has nothing to do with anything I've said, and oh, okay. nor nor does it have anything to do with with women's clothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that would be fine if it did. Yes, it absolutely would be. But um, you know, and and I talked to I actually talked to Bobcat about this a lot because we tour together. Mm. Um, I'm I'm at the point now in my career where, again, I'm only in my my mid fifties, mm-hmm. but I was on TV all the time mm-hmm. at like 22, 23, 24 mm-hmm. years old. So a lot of the comedians that I work with now, I'm their dad's favorite comedian. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like this magic tree that is somehow still walking <laughs> around. You are and, an end. Yeah, I know. It's true. It's like, um, you know, People, you know, you'd be, you'd be t- with a bunch of comedians at a gig and they're talking about Bill Hicks, like, uh-huh. use Ben-Hur. I was like, he didn't do that. <laughs> he, didn't, <laughs> yeah, he didn't do that when he was at my house, you know? <laughs> like, you know. And then they look at you like, you know, you're like, you're the burning bush. It's like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you just, and, and I do feel things move on music moves on comedy moves on yeah. uh, things move on and uh it is it is not your job to put it down or understand it even or mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah that, that that goes on and you just keep i i just keep doing what i do mm-hmm. um and you have your audience and they and they like you for it mm-hmm. and in that in that monologue that bela lugosi has in ed wood where he first meets ed and ed drives him home mm-hmm. and he has that that like and again it's like the first time i saw the movie i couldn't believe i was hearing this mm. in a movie where bail lugosi is played by martin landau was talking about old horror movies is going they were mythic there was mm-hmm. a poetry to them mm-hmm. now it's all giant bugs and the <laughs> bugs I don't want the classic horror films anymore today it's all giant bugs Giant spiders, giant grasshoppers. Who would believe such nonsense? <laughs> the old ones were much spookier. They had castles, full moons. They were mythic. They had the poetry to them. And I feel like that about comedy. Like, I mm. I will do these shows sometimes in L.A. It's me and some other people. And I'm the only person that doesn't start the show. Like, y'all smoke weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing a bit about Hitler getting married in the bunker, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> and, and, and I'm like eh, you know, 
bridging generations. Yeah, I was like, I'm doing what I'm. I'm doing what I'm doing. I, I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm. It, it is. Uh, I'm hopefully not an anachronism, but I've definitely seen different phases come and go. Has it surprised you then, considering that you saw, like you said, you saw this like opening weekend. Has oh, it surprised you? I thought opening you? night. Opening I, night. Because I was mad because I wanted to be in it. And then I saw, I was like, oh, he's actually very good. <laughs> so is it has it surprised you over time to find the resonance with Bella Lugosi in this movie? Oh, considering sure. you saw this in the mid, it's mid 90s when it came out, I think 94. Yeah, 94, I saw it at my, my peak of, relevance um <laughs> it's very strange oh no i bob and i joke about it a lot like you know it shows uh-huh. that we, we should start talking in a hungarian accent you know like not every joke has to be about smoking pot you can do other <laughs> jokes <laughs> you, you know, like, why are you wearing sweatpants on stage it's a show put on clothes <laughs> they're paying to see you i but i've said that like i remember getting this lecture Mm-hmm. From a guy named Kevin Rooney, mm. who's one of my a mentor when I started out, my Yoda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was an old, uh, uh, older comic. I was like, you know, it's a show, mm-hmm. and even if you don't like the crowd, because I had a very punky kind of attitude, and if I didn't think the crowd got me, I was very aggressive. Mm. I think it's called immature. It's the word I'm searching for. <laughs> um, and Kevin said, like, no, it's it's a show. Mm-hmm. These people, not only did they pay to come in, mm-hmm. they paid a babysitter so they could leave mm-hmm. to come in, and they're yeah. paying for drinks. They want to like you. Mm-hmm. You're their night out. Right, yeah. They want to like you, but first they want to make sure that you like them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that made me a better comic from the moment he started talking to the moment he's i heard it like mm-hmm. i became a significantly better comedian and i find myself saying that to people like they're just like they dress like they just got out of the gym I'm like what are you doing that was a like i hadn't watched ed wood in ages and then when i when i watched it again for this like i think that that seems to be something that that ed edward edward d edward wood jr edward, edward, d. Wood edward jr. d wood jr yeah that he is kind of constantly striving for and sort of enamored of is that showmanship. Like yeah. he wants to create something he loves. He wants to create a work of art, but he wants to give the people a show. And there's this real reverence. It's one of those, you know, Hollywood movies that makes me emotional about Hollywood because it's yeah. about somebody who just never stops in pursuit of a dream to create his art, no matter how bad at it he is or how few resources he has. Yeah. And so I get I get that sense of like, like Ed Wood's not going to wear sweatpants to the show. Right. Right, yeah, and that uh, and that what made it so beautiful is, is that he was so optimistic about it. You've got to get through that door. And cut, perfect, printed. Let's move on. Don't you want to do another take, Ed? Looks like Big Baldy had a little trouble getting through the door. No, it's fine. It's real. You know, in actuality, Lobo would have to struggle with that problem every day. Yeah, it's very there's a it's it's lovely. Um and so yeah, I do often find myself like feeling like an anachronism like oh my god, <laughs> you're still alive. Um <laughs> and 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 then uh right when Edward came out. Mm-hmm. I worked on a documentary called The Big Scary Movie Show, which was about horror movie hosts vampire elvira um sacrally sven Gulli, mm-hmm. uh the ghoul you know yeah uh there was a Goulardi. time Goulardi, whose son is paul thomas anderson Goulardi's son is paul thomas anderson Goulardi was ernie anderson he was the guy I that did, yep. don't know how i did not know that yeah yeah <laughs> wow. and uh and i just always thought that was the only job i was ever really qualified to do Mm-hmm. So um, I made this little documentary and I knew someone that knew the real Vampira. Uh-huh. Uh, her name was Myla Nurmi and she lived in L.A. She was pretty reclusive. She had no uh, um, lived alone, had no children, was uh, got divorced in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but I, I knew somebody that knew her and. I really wanted to interview her for this documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up doing it. 
And, you know, like, like Edward Bellagos paid her in cash when she showed up. And, <laughs> and she didn't have a phone. So after uh, she did it, I wrote her a letter to thank her. Mm-hmm. And she wrote me back. And I wrote her back. And she wrote me back. And then we became uh, pen pals. <laughs> now, living in the same city in uh-huh. 1995, 1996, but she didn't have a phone. I was, mm-hmm. you know, working all the time. Uh, but we became very close. And then I was like, sure, I'd take her out to, to lunch yeah. Uh, once or twice a month, we'd I'd pick her up, oh. and we would go to uh, Musso and Frank's, which was That's her favorite so nice. place. And we became close in the way that Edward and Bela Lugosi became yeah. close. And uh-huh. she had to move at one point because the building she was lived in was being raised for mm. a, an apartment building. And right over the years, a lot of her sort of network of people had fallen away mm-hmm. and at the time that this happened i was i was writing on the simpsons mm-hmm. and my had my first baby mm-hmm. um and it was very busy and i literally hired people to help me help her find an apartment we found her an apartment then two years later she had to move again put her on, but we were incredibly close until she oh. passed away uh and oh. in uh 2008 i believe so I really relate to that movie in that regard, where I see, you know, those midnight calls yeah. from Bela Lugosi. Like, I, I got those calls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 uh, I know, because eventually I made her get a phone. Um, but uh, <laughs> that was for the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, what a what a rare and beautiful thing! It My was God, great. what a fascinating way for that to age with you. Well, yeah, and it's also, it's like, I love that movie, and then I lived that movie. But, I, you know, but I loved it first. <laughs> I didn't live wow, it you loved the movie, like two or three you years lived later. the movie, you had your Bella, you also do Plan 9 from Outer Space's yeah. readings. You've really, like, there were footsteps in the sand, and you said, I'm walking through <laughs> Yeah, them. yeah, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going right here, yeah. When we come back, we'll talk more about Ed Wood and hear the story of how Dana became... Dr. Z. And plus, I will have one quick thing before I go, uh, feeling wistful about the end of summer months, drawing to a close, and how I spent that at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery recently, watching two of the best movies ever made, Jennifer's Body and Death Becomes Her. So don't miss a moment for camp. It could happen to you. You're all grown up now, a professional adult with diverse interests and hobbies. And one of those hobbies is video games. You just can't help it. They're so good now. If that's you, we're here to tell you, you are completely normal. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And together we form Triple Click, a podcast about video games. If you think you might be a person who likes video games, we hope you'll give Triple Click a listen. Triple Click, new episodes every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on MaximumFun.org. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who? Yeah. Welcome back to Feeling Seen. My co-host today is Dana Gould, and we've been tracking the threads of his lifelong interest in B-movies, his career in comedy, and his identification with both the Bela Lugosi and the Ed characters in the 1994 Tim Burton movie, Ed Wood. That is an emotional swing. So let's get back to that conversation. 
something something I wanted to, to jump back to from you saying like when you moved to when you were in Boston, you started hanging out with Bobcat Goldthwait. You kind of found like your your coterie of yeah. your coterie of trash monger. Yeah, that's a really well that's a beautiful way to put it. The being being a trash can raccoon in my own life, um, I I highly identify with that. And there's that line, there's that beautiful line in the movie where Ed I know, the, I know the, the line you're gonna say. I know the line. Yeah, you're gonna the say. Eddie's the only fellow in town who doesn't pass judgment. You should feel lucky. Eddie's the only fellow in town who doesn't pass judgment on people. That's right. If I did, I wouldn't have any friends. Yep. I uh, yes, I choke up hearing about that movie. That's exactly what's beautiful about that movie, and that's what's beautiful about punk music you know that they, they have that together i i think that's just like yeah because when you're on the bottom rung <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and you're cool it's like yeah go, come in there's the, there's nowhere else to go <laughs> there's just such an openness that comes with that kind of sincerity that I think allows for such a broad, sincere embrace of things because you're not trying to find the angle on it. And I want like in comedy, do you feel like you're kind of surrounded by the angle on it at the time? Or like, do you feel like sincerity, you have to fight for sincerity amidst your, your profession in comedy, in, in standup today. And in it, there's comedy and there's sort of Hollywood in general. Like, and 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 this is really where the Bela Lugosi comes out. Like, you know, mm. so much of stand-up comedy today, there's there's it's really divided. There's mm. you know the edge lords and sore, and, yeah, and uh, never never identify yourself with anything with lord in it. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's ironic, and I don't yeah. think that's ironic. It's just real locker room, adolescent mm. locker room posturing. Mm. Uh, it's real 13, 14 year old stuff. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I can't, couldn't care less about it. But, but I, but I do feel like, yeah, it's, it's everything. It's like, what do I shit on? What do, what do I shit on? And, yeah. And this is the thing with 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 hanging with Doctor Z is mm. a, a lot of that is just a choice. It's like you can be you can you can hate it or or love it for the same reason. This is the one. This is the one I'll be remembered for. One of the reasons I I feel so much i am more like ed than bela in this regard uh-huh, is uh-huh. that um over the course of my you know i i, I started when i was 17 mm-hmm. uh but i the the things that have given me the most traction mm-hmm. is just doing the stuff that i really love and i love really horror movies and science fiction movies and cheesy stuff like that and mm-hmm. i do that stuff for fun stand against evil is a great example yeah. uh, stand against evil is a tv show that i created and produced and it uh, was you know paid for my life for three years <laughs> and uh it was gonna be i was gonna do it as a as a web series I was going to pay for it myself just because I wanted to do it. And, you know, the, the premise of the show was very simple. To me, it was you take the X-Files and what if instead of Mulder and Scully, it was Scully and my dad? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, what if she had to deal with an old crotchety guy that didn't necessarily not believe in monsters, but just mm-hmm. didn't care? which right, was yeah, my yeah. father. And uh, and based on that simple premise, and that was just my way of doing a monster series, mm-hmm. um, it, I happened to tell it to my friend Pete Aronson over lunch one day, and we were just having lunch. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, if you can do this in this, at the time he was running IFC, and he was like, wait, don't, I like that idea. <laughs> and it was like, don't go anywhere else. Yeah, it was like, well, I was just going to pay for it myself. And it was like, well, can you change A, B, and C and bring it back in? And yeah, I know, sure. And I did. <laughs> and they sure. were like, and they they bought it in the room. I was like, okay, yeah, we're buying it. And Not bad. So, but but again, that, that just came from doing something I love. Um, hanging with Dr. Z came from this ridiculous sketch i wrote for the ben stiller show in 1992 mm-hmm. which was i had an idea for a sketch called 
Planet of the Apes, the musical, and this was before The Simpsons did it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it had nothing to do with the version that The Simpsons did. Mm-hmm. That was thought of, thought of independently and done before I got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I had the idea. And, and to me, the sketch was like, when, like with Hamilton is coming to town. You see mm-hmm. the camera, coming soon, Hamilton, and it's footage yeah. of the play. And I thought, well, we'll do that for Planet of the Apes. Cause, and very cynically, it was like, well, Ben likes Planet of the Apes. Um, I like Planet of the Apes. We'll, yeah. I'll get to do the makeup, which will be really fun. <laughs> and, and it'll be stupid. And then literally the other sketch was because we, we had no money. So it was like, well, can we get two sketches out of one sketch? The other sketch was, well, let's take, we have the set. We'll do for the second sketch from the producers of Planet of the Apes, the musical, Dr. Zayas is Mark Twain tonight. And <laughs> the show got canceled before we get a chance to do it. 20 years later, <laughs> literally... Wow. Literally, <laughs> 20 years later, I'm talking to John Hodgman and mentioned Dr. Zayas as Mark Twain tonight. And he said, would you like to do that at my show at Sketchfest? Uh-huh. <laughs> and my first response was, no. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no. That's a lot of work. Um, but I know a lot of people in special effects makeup. Right. I think like do you is it you know Greg Nick yeah Greg it's it Greg he's one of my best friends and so <laughs> like, I there's there's nobody better that you could know no exactly <laughs> in terms of that yes. conversation to that end this was the conversation we had <laughs> I go I was like John I'll call you right back this was in two thousand and I guess eight or ten maybe ten call him up. Hey, Greg, it's Dana. Is there anybody over there that I can pay to do a movie quality Dr. Zayas makeup on me? <laughs> uh, we'll have to fly him to San Francisco, but, you know, we'll fly him. We'll put him up and pay him and everything. But I just, yeah. you know, so it'll be a day. But is there anybody over there? Hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, Andy will do it. <laughs> that was, that was it. Thanks, Andy. See you in San Francisco. That's Andy. Yeah. And we did it. And the reason I wanted to do it because... I knew when I walked out on stage, there would be a big laugh. Yeah, yeah. But then I knew that once the audience saw that it wasn't a mask, mm-hmm. that it actually was the movie. It was, yeah. it was that. Yeah. And it's very different than a mask. It's a very oh, complicated procedure. That there would be a giant laugh. <laughs> like There would be a big laugh, and then there would be a tidal wave laugh. Yes, the realization and then the Yeah, wave. and I just, as a comedian, very greedily wanted to hear that. Mm-hmm, of um, course. And, uh, and that is, I, it's, you can see it on YouTube, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, and then somebody said, hey, would you want to do that for this? And would you want to do that for that? And it just grew into this sort of character. This is the best bit idea you've ever had. The legs on this thing. Jesus. But it was great because it grew. Wow. You know, it was like, then I did it. Dana Gould is William Shatner as Dr. Zayas reciting <laughs> yeah. The Night Before Christmas. And I did that <laughs> for the Mystery Science Theater telethon. <clears throat> and then TCM called me and said, we're doing Planet of the Apes as a Fathom event. My God. Normally we interview somebody from the movie. Would you want to be interviewed as <laughs> Dr. Zayas? We have something special for you. I am joined by an original member of the cast of Planet of the Apes, a performer who doesn't do many interviews, preferring to let his work speak for itself. But we convinced him to join us, and it's a great honor for me to introduce from Planet of the Apes, Dr. Zayas. Hello, Ben. Nice to see you. Doctor, thank you for coming. I everyone, appreciate- everyone, where's my camera? Everyone watching, thank you for, it's, it's great to see that the old uh, films still get appreciated. And- by the way, none of these things I like searched out to do. Like all of the, they, it finds right. me. Like I'm, right. and like wow. I'm a, I'm an adult. I have children. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I like, you know, I'm not a. If you can see my house. My my house looks like a normal house. It's, all, you know, it's, like, it's like, you know, I have furniture, pets and stuff. I had a professor in college who said, a journalism professor in college who said, become the person that the History Channel would call if they need yeah, to talk what? to somebody. Yeah. You became the call from the History Channel. Yeah, like, but, so then well, I got the call to do it on TCM and they're interviewing the character of Dr. Zayas. Yes, of course. But it had to be funny. So like what I did, and I literally just kind of, 
came up with this on the spot uh-huh. was that, yeah, he's Dr. Z, but he's, that was a movie he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a time in his it, life. But he had a big career. He's yeah. not just that one role. And <laughs> and I just sort of did it like when Orson Welles would go on Merv Griffin when I was a kid. Like just name dropping and living in L.A. and knowing yeah. everybody. And and that kind of like weird show business. Like, you know, here's the thing that Hef doesn't get credit for. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he does a lot for the wildlife. You know, just like anything right. like that. Um, and that sort of started this weird idea of him as this sort of Austin Powers like 1969 era Hollywood celebrity and during the pandemic Rob Cohen and I who was my writing partner at well it wasn't my writing partner at the Ben Stiller show but he was my office partner um, we said uh, let's do it as a talk show for the, the pandemic we'll do it like mm-hmm. Space Ghost so there's no per- in person stuff Mm-hmm. And because we were bored out of our minds, of course, yeah. And um, and we thought, what would cost us a lot of money, <laughs> but also put us at risk of being sued by Disney? And this <laughs> yeah. was the only what thing we yes could and find. We can get on that exactly. But we did it, and it just clicked. And what's so funny is, and then I'll shut up about it. The first time we did it, Janet was the first guest, and I because oh. I wanted some, I wanted somebody that I knew was really fast on their feet yeah but that i trusted and uh-huh. you know janet's like my sister kind of um i love her like a sister she's <laughs> yeah. a lot cooler than my actual sister yeah. <laughs> 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 thank you rusty that was dynamite uh janet varney uh where where does one begin she's a she's a dear friend of mine good lord i think i, I first met janet at a, a potluck at eric burden's house She's she's just the dearest. Uh, please welcome your friend and mine, Janet Varney. Hello, thank you so much for having me. And it was really beautiful uh-huh. because it clicked immediately. It was also 2020. It was during the pandemic. It was during mm-hmm. the election. And, you know, I'm online a lot. You're online a lot. And there's so much just negativity and sourness Mm -hmm. uh it was just complete positivity yeah and beautiful stupidity Mm -hmm. you know it's (laughs) it's beautifully stupid i am feeling the edward through lines yeah and what was what and i have always like i'm i'm a good stand-up comedian Mm. but what i do is not that like what i do is like if you were to put comedians into like categories mm-hmm. i would be like a guy that wants to be george carlin like a okay. autobiographical and and sarcastic and people say it's dark i don't see it but um I right just, yeah yeah it's what i think is funny but i've always envied people like paul rubens mm-hmm. because Wee herman like yeah to have this third is other person that you have as a character that lives in his own universe mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you can just be yourself mm-hmm. and then you have this completely silly thing that's what it approached and i can't believe that it happened like that, <laughs> yeah. that yeah no i have this weird alter ego that's completely ridiculous and mm-hmm. silly but it was great and and people reacted to it so strongly mm-hmm. because it's totally positive but the, and the point of it is the end of this terrible journey I've just taken you on. Yeah. <laughs> it's your journey. Is that it all? But this is the Ed Wood analogy: is that it all came from something I loved. Yeah. And I, there was never a profit motive to it. Believe mm-hmm. me. Believe me. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I work very hard to for the stuff that I enjoy doing. Right, right. <laughs> we are going to finish this picture just the way I want it because you cannot compromise an artist's vision. But it's our money. And you're going to make a bundle, but only if you shut up and let me do things my way. Well, a thing that I've been really wanting to ask you, and I have, as I draw toward the end here, a thing that I'd be really wanting to ask you, knowing that you love horror, because that's my area of specialization too, and obviously our man Ed Wood here is working in um, horror and, and genre and sci-fi. I, I talk a lot with my queer friends about, like, the sort of power of 
identification with both the hero and or the monster in mm-hmm. horror cinema yeah. and and the the power of seeing that like outcast figure who rises up to become the all-powerful you know slayer that takes out mm-hmm. the bad thing and there's the power in that but then there's also the power also in power too and seeing yourself as the monster and being like right. you're this thing that is cast out that is terrible yeah and so you will wreak havoc on all that is around you that will oppress you mm-hmm. and i wanted to know has anyone ever you, i'm just curious has anyone ever wreaked anything other than havoc yeah are they wreaking joy <laughs> is anybody wreaking positivity on the world my mike scully the simpsons writer once said i want to wreak something not <laughs> havoc <laughs> i don't know I want to wreak sincerity on this world. That's what I want to do. But but, but the point you're making, finish the point you're making. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful point. Well, and just, I wondered where, I wondered where for your love of genre and with your identification with someone like Ed Wood, who, mm-hmm. who, and his, him and his, you know, parade, parade of oddballs that he, he moved through life with. Like, what for you is sort of the joy and genre of that? Do you, are you the hero figure or are you the no, monster figure? No, that, that completely, uh, this, this is really interesting that you bring, you, that you bring that up. Um, and this is something that, you know, when I was a kid, every you know, every they're called monster kids, kids that grew up loving horror movies. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, monster kids. Every monster kid had a favorite monster. Yeah. And I wanted to be the Wolfman. And a lot of kids okay. want to be the Wolfman because you are the Wolfman. You're mm-hmm. out of control. You can't control your body. You do all yeah. Yeah. Then you wake up and you feel terrible about it. <laughs> um, and a lot of people that were outcasts relate to the monster because they mm-hmm. are made to feel like they are the other in their family of origin or or Mm -hmm. whatever um david skull who's a uh writes a lot of books about horror movies is uh, yes uh uh, david david j skull yeah yeah uh is um uh i uh, i believe he's out about being lgbtq and Mm -hmm. uh and he writes from that perspective and uh and it's uh it's 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 very like oh of of course of course you write mm-hmm. that um, um, yeah and Harry Harry M Benchoff's tremendous book Monsters in the Closet would highly recommend if you anybody out there would like to do any reading on queer horror yeah I, I would actually like to read that book Monsters in the Closet yes Monsters in yeah. the Closet by Professor I, Harry I, M Benchoff I would like to read that book what I was told was and so I have four older brothers mm. and uh, and they're all very athletic mm-hmm. hunting i grew up in a house full of guns i had <laughs> i had a i had a rifle cabinet in my bedroom uh-huh. it was the first thing i saw in the morning when i woke <laughs> up right. in high school was rifles because it was the room <laughs> that it fit in in the house mm-hmm. uh i don't hunt i don't i'm not a sports guy yeah yeah but because i didn't hunt because i didn't play sports i my brothers and my father assumed i was gay sure yeah naturally um but it's and i didn't even realize it was it was like a it was my therapist actually said this to me once and i i don't even know if it's true but it it certainly fit but the movie that really rang my bell as a kid Mm -hmm. this won't surprise you was planet of the apes okay yeah and the therapist said of course because he was in a world where nothing was as it was supposed to be Mm -hmm. he was a guy he was a human being, but nobody valued him. Mm-hmm. The apes were in charge. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you grew up in the same thing. Like you were mm-hmm. just a decent, normal person. <laughs> and, and the apes were and in charge. the apes were in charge. And they didn't value <laughs> you at all and didn't mm-hmm. understand who you were. Didn't, underst- you had, didn't understand, didn't get who you were. Didn't understand mm-hmm. who you were. And he was like, of course you, of course you relate to that movie. <laughs> of course you relate to them and and i go yeah i can see i can i can see that i, I mm-hmm. can see that yeah but but it's like you say it's 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 that line from ed wood it's it's the outcasts it's mm-hmm. the 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 thing in ed wood that i find also so beautiful is when he's on the date with kathy wood played by patricia arquette yes and he says i i like to dress in women's clothes mm-hmm. and she goes do you not like girls he goes no i love girls I just, mm-hmm. and she just goes okay Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh, you know, you could, you could, it, it 
brings tears to your eyes. It's just like well, in the, in and the watch his flash of recognition of how rare that moment of acceptance is in his yeah. life is such a moving yeah exchange. And that's, and that, by the way, two. and that's real. That that's real. Like mm-hmm. they were devoted to each other, and I I, I think I, I think that's also like one of the things about that movie that that the people that get it like that really resonates and that people love is it my god it's just like yeah you're it it is it is like punk music or like a any theater group right or any whatever um it's yeah this is what i'm into my i guess my my final wrap-up question to you would be then i this and this gets to exactly something i'd been planning on asking was like what would have you had your moment then of like your Xena costume moment. Have you had your Edward dancing in a dress, taking out his false teeth and presenting himself with a flourish moment to his friends in your career where you were like, I am Dana, this is me, and this is my art. I, your big swing moment. Yeah, I I do it all the time now. I did it the other night at a party where I was talking to Larry Wilmore, if you know who Larry mm-hmm. Wilmore is, the, oh, TV, sure, yeah. the TV writer who I've known for a hundred years. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, what are you up to? And I had to look him in the eye and go, I have a show on YouTube where I'm Dr. Zayas from Planet of the Apes. But yeah, no, th- I mean, no, this is it. I, this is, That's awesome. this is it. Yeah. It's like, what do you do? I do a live show, plan nine. I do a talk show as Dr. Zayas. I'm yeah, <laughs> no, I am. I am the nuclear rod of me at this point. <laughs> amazing dana that's amazing i hope we can all be like you know what every every year could be my nuclear rod year every form i take could be my nuclear my nuclear rod form that is merge that is beautiful and i i would like to wrap us on that wonderful sentiment (laughs) and say thank you for joining us today oh anytime uh, anytime i really enjoy this is really great this is really great Thanks again to Dana Gould for that conversation. You know, how often you get to talk to Dr. Z, the Dr. Z here on a podcast. Um, There are two full seasons of Hanging with Dr. Z up on YouTube, and you can go watch that right now. It's free, so do it. Why not? Uh, Dana also puts out a monthly podcast, The Dana Gould Hour, and a newsletter, The Cinemorph all of which should be interesting to anyone who's interested in the kinds of things we've talked about today. Expansive and textured as they are. And now, the one quick thing before I go. I know it's very geo-specific. It's LA. It's the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Um, but I hadn't been in years. Uh, def- obviously, pre-lockdowns. Um, but maybe, I don't know, 2018, 2019, the last thing I saw there was a dance-along to Dirty Dancing. And let me tell you, that cemetery did get up and dance. Um, but now I've made my return to Hollywood Forever because a friend told me that there was a Can't Miss Jordan Cruciola double feature uh, playing. And boy, she was right. Because it was Death Becomes Her and Jennifer's Body. It was slumber party night at the cemetery. You didn't like you didn't actually sleep there. But they didn't start Jennifer's Body till midnight. So you're really there like an all night event. And I think they've changed the projector or something. Because that picture quite was like being in a goddamn movie theater. And it, I was there with so many people who had never seen Death Becomes Her before. This was their first time. Watching this now with drag having permeated mainstream culture so far, like the the vernacular of drag in in its RuPaul's Drag Race fashioning specifically and the way that sort of internet and Twitter speak has folded into daily vernacular. I I don't think everybody talks like they do on Twitter. I'm I'm not like that myopic about it, but the amount of matriculation of particularly like black queer language really um, that is popularized very heavily by drag art as that is put out into the world through mass media. Things like, again, RuPaul's Drag Race is not the only form of drag, but it is, I think, the the easiest shorthand. To have that so hardwired, I think, in our collective consciousness now, and to watch something like Death Becomes Her 
it's like I feel it's like being in a drag show for an hour and a half. Watching Death Becomes Her is essentially experiencing a drag show, I think. Um, Robert Zemeckis, that guy has some imagination journeys he goes on with movies. Uh, he has a very he has a varied career. I, I, I don't I, I don't care what the other hits are. There's nothing better than Death Becomes Her. At least one of Meryl Streep's Oscars is actually an Oscar for Death Becomes Her. They just weren't brave enough to give it to her at the time. Like, Goldie Hawn's Oscar for Private Benjamin? Double down on that. Give her one for Death Becomes Her. The two performances by these women, who are so stunning and so magnetic and so funny... Have you seen Death Becomes Her? Did you know that you could watch Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep get into a shovel fight in the foyer of a, like, 90s deco-gothic mansion? Like, there, it doesn't, we've peaked. We used to be a society, and we were a society when Death Becomes Her was a movie that we would make and put out in this world. Isabella Rossellini, defining beauty and excess, an amazing Bruce Willis cuckolding comedic performance i mean the amount of people on a version of their a game that you you don't often get to see or wouldn't expect in death becomes her to watch people around that experience it for the first time especially my younger friends my my gen zers my gen z millennial cuspers it was a very it was a magical evening and then of course coming up coming up behind with Jennifer's body after that at midnight it's like as if it couldn't get any better and you're just laying on the ground in the Hollywood forever watching I mean this movie is never less emotional for me like the scenes that really like Jennifer applying the foundation to her skin before she's gonna go to the dance and like slowly crying obviously the sacrifice scene the 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 best friend v best friend showdown at the end it is never less poignant it is never less powerful it is never it is never less eye-popping to like hear jennifer be the things that she says as a terrible person and the jokes that she makes at the expense of others wow the odds were a wild time uh it's it's it remains a perfect experience, guys. I I as I am the Jennifer's body correspondent, I think it is my responsibility to tell you all that like, hey, still holds up after the I don't know how many times I've seen it round. Uh, but yeah, go go have a nice night of watching cinema under the stars somehow. I don't care if that means you sitting outside with your laptop. Uh, but before the summer ends, take a movie outside, spread out blankets, have friends, have snacks, and you know enjoy some cinema that's that's the best it's the best way you could spend your time i'm gonna say that objectively it's a scientific fact you have your marching orders and that is our show for today you know i don't normally ask you guys to do this rate and review it like it actually does make a difference like it actually helps this isn't just like a vanity request uh it actually helps the show uh get more notice and get more attention and the show gets bigger the wonderfully larger the cornucopia of guest possibilities that we can have. So go do your part, because I'm doing mine, and rate and review the show. You can follow us on Twitter at FeelingScenePod or send us an email at feelingscene at maximumfun.org. If you want to follow me, I'm Jorcru on Twitter. It's J-O-R-C-R-U. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.